Thank you, Pastor. One of the joys of doing what I do is that I am continually meeting new family members. You see, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of ministries, there's a lot of denominations, but there's only one family. Anybody glad you're a part of the family of God? Is anybody glad I'm glad I'm a part of the family? God's only got one family. He doesn't have a Baptist family and a Methodist family and a Pentecostal family and a Catholic family. No, no, there's only one family. And I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. And because of that, as I travel, I'm continually meeting new family members. And it is such a blessing for Penny and I to be able to be with you today and meet you. First time ever here, and I'm so blessed to be here. I have, uh, I have ministered in 28 of the 50 states. I've preached in 28 of the 50. I really, really am trying to get to all 50. It's just a little personal thing that I would love to be able to say one day is that I preached in all 50 states. I, I really, really have a burden for Hawaii. That's... That's where my burden is. I see some of you have that same burden. Maybe, Pastor, we could get up a trip and go to Hawaii and preach a little bit together. But aren't you glad that you're a part of God's great big family no matter where you are? No matter where you are, God's only got one great big family. And I want to say today to Pastor publicly, thank you for honoring me to come and to share with you in your church today. You have honored me to be here, and uh, you see the connection. He told you about the connection with my dad and Michigan, and then to be able to share today. Uh, you got a great pastor. You got a great pastor. How many love Pastor Rob? How many, how many, love, past, how many love Pastor Donna? Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, Pastor. I didn't know. She got a bigger clap than you got. All right. Amen. Well, the one good thing about it is you've got job security because they'll put up with you because they love her. Isn't that the way it works? That's the way it works. But we love them, and I tell you what, I, I got to say, to, um, to you that I was so blessed by the ministry of this praise team today. Didn't they do a great job? You know, Psalms 100 says, come before his presence with singing. That's why we sing, because we want to come into his presence. And what I've learned is if you ever need to get God's attention, sing him a song. I'm telling you, God loves to be sung to. And you know, I hate to say this, but a lot of places I go, it's more like the music is about entertainment. But I didn't come to be entertained. You don't have to entertain me. I, I want to come to worship. Are there any worshipers in the house today? I, I didn't come to be entertained. I come to worship. There's a big difference between worship and entertainment. Entertainment is about me, what I like, what I like. Worship is about him. It's all about him.
And I appreciate, do they sing like this every Sunday? They, they sing like this every Sunday? Man, you guys are blessed. How many of y'all are blessed? Come on, give this praise team of God bless you. Y'all are blessed. You know, the Bible says, whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Well, well that's what the Bible says, a good thing. The Bible says that a man's wife is his crown. You know what a crown represents. Yeah. And you know, you wear a crown on your head. You don't wear a crown on your feet. You wear a crown, and it makes you look better. I'm glad to have my crown with me today. Yeah, she's always giving me good words of encouragement. Especially a lot of times right before I have to go preach. Right, I mean, right before I go to the pulpit, a lot of times she'll turn and say something to me. She turned to me today when Pastor Rob handed me the service. She turned to me and she said, if you preach good, maybe we can come back one day. <laughs> Nothing like pressure, is there? But I'm glad to have my crown because she makes me look better. Penny, would you stand up? Would you welcome Penny here today? Now, doesn't she make me look better? Oh. Well, pastor said not to leave anything undone, to get everything out of my preaching pocket. And so I, I like that. I need to ask you a question today. How many is okay if I take my time and just preach a little bit today? How many is okay? Are y'all in a hurry? Listen, I pastored 24 years, and I have pastored people who've come to church leaving. They walked in with leaving on their mind. I mean, the whole, they came with leaving. I've, I've known folks all, but I found out it's good for us to spend a little time together. Not worry about all you got to do tomorrow and what you got to eat and all that kind of stuff after a while. How many, it's okay if we just spend a little time together and preach the word? Boy, y'all my kind of people. We're from Alabama. Y'all still love us? Let me tell you where we live. If you get on I-65 over here and go south and you just go to dead end, it's 600 miles to Mobile. You go to dead end, turn left on I-10, you go about uh, 20 miles, go over the bay, Go to the second exit, get off, turn right, go to the second light, turn left, go four miles, turn into that little subdivision. That's where we live. <laughs> and once you turn into the subdivision, uh, Yorkshire, you turn right, you go to the second left, turn left, and we're the fifth house on the right. So if y'all ever coming through, stop by. But I'm glad to be here. And I've asked the Lord to give us a great, great day together. Can I get an amen? I want to go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, and I think they're going to put it on the screen for me. If you'll put up 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 today, I'm going to talk about your attorney. Everybody say the word attorney. I want to talk today about your attorney, and we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, where the apostle John is writing to believers in Ephesus. Now, 
There's several letters that he's written, but I'm going to focus on this one, and it's got four chapters. And I want you to see this morning some things that I believe the Lord can speak to us about and strengthen us and help us. I'd like for you to notice that he addresses them as little children. You will see in 1 John, there's four chapters, but in those four chapters, seven times he calls them my little children. So in other words, he's preaching and writing and talking to converts. He's writing to people that he has won to the Lord. And he addresses them as my little children. It's, it, it's something that we can relate to as having children in the natural. We all know that it's a natural thing for couples to get married and bring children into this world. But not only do we need to produce natural children, we also need to produce spiritual children. We need to win people to the Lord. Our vision and our mission should always be to win people to Jesus. That we have spiritual sons and daughters that we can claim. He's claiming them as little children, so he's writing to them as a spiritual parent. Now, you know, your parents, your mom and dad, Pastor mentioned my dad who went to be with the Lord 12 years ago yesterday or Friday. So when you have your parents, you know there's nobody who can talk to you like mama. There's nobody who can talk to you like daddy. I mean, mama and daddy can tell it like it is and still love you. So he's talking to them as a spiritual parent. And he's talking to them as children, and here's what he says. My little children, I'm writing to you so that you do not sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I want you to notice that he's talking to them about the ideal. Here's the goal. Here's what I want you to aspire for, aspire for. Here's what I want you to attain, and the ideal is that you do not sin. I want you to live above what God saved you from. I want you to live above what God delivered you from. How many of you know every Christian, we should do our best to live above what God delivered us from. We should always, through his grace, try to live above it. So he says, here's the ideal, is to try to live above sin. But then he also deals with the real. He says, here's the real. But if you do sin. The ideal is that you don't sin. The real is sometimes we do sin. You may say, well, Brother Gary, I, I didn't think Christians could sin. Well, the only thing I would say to you is if you're here today and you don't believe Christians can sin, just hang around church. 
just hang around us. Because sometimes we say things we shouldn't have said. And sometimes we act in ways we shouldn't have acted. And sometimes we bring attitudes to church we shouldn't have brought to church. And sometimes we just flat blow it. I'm guilty. Anybody else guilty? So he says the ideal is that you don't sin. The real is sometimes we do. Can I tell you, you don't know me, I don't know you, but here's what I know about everybody in this house. Every man, every woman, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Starting right here and going to you, we've all sinned. There's no perfect man in this house. There's no perfect woman in this house. We've all blown it at times. I know what it's like, even as a pastor, to get on the phone and call somebody and ask for forgiveness. I said something I shouldn't have said, and I want to ask you to forgive me. I know what it is to go to somebody and say, listen, I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't thinking properly. Will you forgive me? Why? Because the ideal is not to sin. The real is sometimes we all blow it. And notice what he says, that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, I want you to look at the word advocate. If you have your Bible open, underline it with your pen. Look at the word advocate. The word advocate in the Greek actually is the word attorney. The ideal is that you don't sin. The real is that sometimes you do. And if you sin, you have an attorney. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I'm telling you that when you put this scripture all together, it's a beautiful thing. Listen to it one more time. My little children, I'm writing you to encourage you not to sin, to live above it. But should you fall, should you sin, you have an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Aren't you glad to know today you have an attorney? Now, I'm going to tell you, when I started studying this scripture, it really spoke to me. I grew up in church. When I tell you I grew up in church, I grew up in church. And I heard preacher after preacher because back then we had revival every three months. It'd go at last two weeks. We ha I've heard preacher. And I remember hearing preachers tell me that the Lord was my shepherd. I remember preachers telling me that the Lord was my savior, my deliverer, my healer, my rock, my king, my my Lord, but I thought back to all of the titles I remember preachers giving me about who the Lord was, but I didn't remember any preacher telling me the Lord was my attorney. And now I find where the Apostle John is writing to his spiritual children, talking to them about their attorney. And I've come all the way from Alabama to tell you today you have an attorney, and his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
So let's talk a little bit this morning about an attorney. What does an attorney do? First of all, I want you to notice that an attorney represents you. An attorney never represents themselves. An attorney always represents their client. Your attorney represents you. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of majesty. That's where Jesus is right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father at the throne in heaven. That's where Jesus is. Several years ago, I was preaching at a church, and I preached, and I was praying for people, and as I prayed for people, a sister came forward for prayer, and she wanted to tell me something, and she told me what she needed prayer for, and then she made this statement. She said, you know, Pastor Gary, when I pray, I try to imagine Jesus on the cross. I pray to Jesus on the cross, and when she said that, immediately, I looked at her, and I said, not me. Not me. I don't pray to Jesus hanging on the cross. Now look at me. He was on the cross. He was on the cross for six hours from about 9 a.m. that morning to about 3 p.m. that afternoon. For about six hours, he was on the cross. But look at me. He's not at the cross no more. He's not hanging on a cross no more. He's not there anymore. I don't pray to Jesus on the cross, and I don't pray to Jesus who's laying in a tomb. I've been in that tomb. I walked in that tomb. He's not there anymore. Praise God, he's not in the tomb no more. Look at me. I don't pray to a Jesus hanging on a cross, and I don't pray to Jesus laying in a tomb. I pray to Jesus who's sitting at the right hand of majesty. That's where he is right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. You need to know where he is. Well, listen, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 tells us where Jesus is right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. But Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us what he's doing. Hebrews 7.25 tells us he's there forever and he forever lives to make intercession for the people of God. So intercession, the word intercession means you're praying for someone else. If you're praying for your children, that means you're interceding for them. If you're praying for a friend, that means you're interceding for them. Intercession is when you're praying for somebody else, not yourself. So here's what Hebrews tells us, 8.1. It tells us where he is. He's at the right hand of the Father. And it tells us what he's doing. He's ever living to make intercession for the people of God. In other words, he's representing you. He's talking to the Father about you. Aren't you glad to know you have an attorney who's representing you? Several years ago, I pastored a church named Cathedral Praise, and I was there for seven and a half years. We had a sister in the church who was an attorney, and she had a little office downtown. And one day, I was downtown, and, 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 and I just, 
I had a little time, so I just stopped, walked in her office, and she was there, and I got to have a little conversation with her, and I began to ask her things about being an attorney. I just began to question her about what she does, and, and she began to tell me about what it's like to be an attorney and how she went to school, and now she's qualified to be an attorney and how she represents people. And she began talking to me about the courtroom, and she said, Pastor, here's what I've learned. I've learned that when I have a client, here's one of the first things I tell them. If I'm going to represent you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get all dressed up. I want you to look your best. I want you to look like you're going to church on Sunday. I want you to look your best. And when we walk into the courtroom, we're going to sit down at a table, and a judge is going to come in. And when that judge comes in, I want you to say no. Nothing. She said, I want you to sit there and look your best, but never say a word. She said, Pastor, I've had clients mess things up by doing the talking. And she said, I tell them I can talk better than you can. I know what to say and what not to say. I know how to present it. You don't. I want you to sit there and say nothing. You're paying me to represent you. You're paying me to talk for you, and I can talk better than you. So when we go into the courtroom and sit before a judge, you sit there and look your best and never say a word. Let me do the talking. I'm your attorney, and I represent you. Man, when she said that to me, I remember walking out of that office. I remember going to my car, cranking my car up, and in my mind, I'm going to Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. Now, I don't know if you've ever read Joshua chapter 6, verse 10, but here's what it says. It says that when Joshua was about to take Israel and they were going to march around Jericho. Now, you've heard about Jericho. You know all about it. You've heard preacher after preacher talking about walking around it one time for six days and on the seventh day going around seven times, which meant in a week they made 13 trips around that city because God said, I'm going to give you the city. I'm going to give it to you, and all I want you to do is walk around it. But have you ever noticed what Joshua did? Before they started walking, he had a meeting with all of the people of Israel, and he gave them the plan. We're going to walk around six times once a day. On the seventh day, we're going around seven times. I want you to walk around that city. I'm going to lead you, but here's what I'm going to say to you. While we're walking, there is to be no talking. I want you to walk in silent obedience. No talking, only walking. You see, Joshua knew. Joshua knew if he let them talk, walking around that city 13 times in one week, he knew what would happen. They'd start talking. 
I mean, they'd start talking. And it wasn't going to be good because they're walking around one big circle. They got a lot of walking to do. But God said, just walk around it. All I want you to do is walk around it. But if you let him start talking, he'd hear things like this. Woo! It's hot out here. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm about to burn slap up. It is, I'm sweating. Jesus, I am burning up. I don't know why we got to walk in the heat of the day like this. I mean, he picked a crazy time for us to walk. I'm about to burn slap up. I'm so thirsty. I wonder if anybody brought any water. I could, man, what I'd give to have a bottle of water right now. Ooh, I need some water. I tell you what, I'm thirsty. I mean, my goodness. If I could find something like this right here, right now, I'd be a happy man. I'm about to thirst. I'd even take a Pepsi. I mean, my goodness. It, it's just hot out here, and I'm sweating, and I'm so thirsty. Man, I'll tell you, I'm so thirsty. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to do anything. I, I, I just don't know. I, we got a long way to go. Lord, have mercy. We got a long way to go, and I... You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not one to complain, but boy, my back, ooh, I don't know, my back has been, of all time, it's been bothering me, Lord, my back, and my ankles, Lord, my ankles are swollen, look at this, man, have you ever seen such swelling, look at that, I, he expects me to walk on that. And my back has hurt me, and now my ankles are about to go. I got a headache. I'll tell you what. I'll, whoo, all that sun getting in my eyes, giving me a headache. Lord, have mercy. I, I, I don't have no Tylenol. I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, have mercy. And I'll tell you what. I have never seen nothing like this. Never. Pastor Moses never did it like this. Pastor Moses never did nothing like this. Pastor Moses did, and now Pastor Joshua is doing things we ain't never done. We ain't never done it like this before. We ain't never walked around. You see, he knew if he let him talk what would happen. He knew if he let him start talking what it would lead to. Look at me. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. How you talk really does make a difference. Some folks don't think it matters how you talk, but I've come to tell you it does matter. You can talk life or you can talk death. And he knew what was going to come out of their mouth. That's when he says, no talking, only walking. You're going to walk in silent obedience. Now, I'm about about to say something that's going to be completely contrary to the norm because most of the time when you have an evangelist come in he wants you talking he wants you to say something he wants you to shout unto God with the voice of triumph he wants you to make a joyful noise unto the Lord most evangelists wants you to get rowdy and clap your hands and shout and make a noise and now you got this guy from Alabama and he comes in here and instead of doing that he's telling you some of y'all need to be quiet You're talking too much. You're being too critical. 
You're being too negative. You're finding too much fault. You, you, you're always looking at the bad. May I tell you, sometimes you got to walk in silent obedience. Sometimes you say, I walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes you quit allowing distractions to hinder you. Sometimes you quit looking to the left and looking to the right and quit looking back and just look forward and say, I'm not saying another word. I'm just going to keep walking. He said that I'm to walk in silent obedience. That means I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to murmur. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to talk about what's wrong. I'm just going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm not saying another thing about it. My God can work it all out. God, if God be for me, who can be against me? I know God it can go before me and work it all out. Therefore, I'm going to walk in silent obedience and what's God? You said, well, did it happen? May I tell you, after the 13th trip with no talking, God brought the walls down. Can I tell you, after all of your silent obedience, my God is going take care of you. Your God is going to work it all out. Your God is going to work it all out when God gets through taking it. Maybe it's just time for you to walk in silent obedience and say, I will see the glory of the Lord. I will see God take care of it. I will see God work it all out for me. May I tell you, there came a time they could talk again. There came a time they could open their mouth again. There came a time they could add, they could turn their vocal cords loose. What did they do? Read it. And and after all of the silent obedience took place, Joshua said, now it's time to open your mouth and give him a praise and shout unto God and give God glory and give God praise. You may be walking in silence today, but there's going to come a day you're going to give him praise again. You're going to bless his name again. You're going to give him glory again because your attorney can work it all out. Whether you ever say a word, your attorney knows all about it. And he can work it all out. Somebody shout amen. amen. There's something else you need to know about your attorney. Not only does he represent you and you can trust him enough to walk in silent obedience. But secondly, your attorney has paid the bill. 1 Peter 18 and 19, Peter said this, You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Can I tell you something? If you've been redeemed, if you're saved, you got something money can't buy. Oh, can I preach a little bit right now? I said you got something money can't buy. Money can never buy you salvation. Money can never buy you eternal life. Money can never buy you what Jesus has done for you. He said money's got nothing. You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, your attorney has already paid the bill. Now, here's what you know. And if there are attorneys here today, I'm not picking on you. I'm really not. But if you've ever dealt with an attorney, here's what you know about attorney. If you've ever had to acquire their legal services, you know this. They're expensive. You better get ready. You're going to write a check. You're going to give them a debit card. It's going to cost you. 
if you've ever had to have their services, they are expensive. It costs you. I had a sin debt that was so great, I could never pay it. You had a sin debt that was so great, you could never pay it. If I had spent all of my life and every job I had and every penny I've ever gotten in my life, if I had given it to the ministry, given it to missions, given it to a local church, given it to a denomination, given it at the end of my life, it would not have been enough. I still would have been a sinner. On the cross, not only did Jesus die for our sins, he paid our debt. He paid a great, great sin debt. And now I'm not a debtor anymore. I have some financial debt, but I don't have any spiritual debt. The bill has been paid. And my attorney has already taken care of it. Look at me. Debt is a terrible thing. Debt is a terrible thing. Now, debt doesn't scare some people. I mean, our nation is so far in debt, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren will be paying for it. But, hey, it don't matter to some folks. Just, we'll do two trillion here, two trillion here. We just do, you, let me tell you, you can't even count to a trillion. But that don't seem to scare some folks. But you look at me. Debt is bondage. Do you hear what I said? Debt is bondage. And you and I not only were in sin, we were in the bondage of sin. Because sin has a bondage to it. But what Jesus did on the cross, not only did he forgive us of our sins, he broke the sin debt. How many of you know if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed? If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So now not only am I saved, the sin debt has been broken. I may have some financial debt, but I have no spiritual debt. And I can walk into this house and lift up holy hands to a holy God and praise him because I'm not in debt no more spiritually. And it's a great thing to be out of debt. Several years ago, I got a call from a pastor friend of mine who pastored a church down in Louisiana. It was an Assembly of God church, and, and, and um, I had preached for him before, and they were putting together a, a camp meeting, and uh, he said, Gary, what I want you to do, I want you to come in on Monday and preach Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night of the camp meeting. It was a really good church and good-sized church, and he said, will you come? And I said, sure. So... I flew to New Orleans on a Monday. He picked me up. Church was maybe about an hour outside of New Orleans. And, and so I got there on Monday night and preached. We had a great service. So pastor said, I'll pick you up tomorrow, which was Tuesday. We'll have lunch. That's good. So he picked me up. We went to have lunch. And we're just talking, man. We just, you know, just pastors just getting together. We're talking, talking about how the Lord has blessed his church and everything. And he said, Gary, I'm going to give you a testimony uh, uh, of how the Lord is blessed. I said, okay. He said, 
um, one day one of the sisters of the church came by the office and wanted to see me. Didn't have an appointment, and the secretary, she said, secretary said, she's out there, and I said, well, let her come in, and said, she came in and sat down, and she said this, now, I'm, I'm telling you his story, he's not here, so I'm going to tell you his story, if he was here, I'd let him tell it, but he's not here, so he said, she looked at me and said, pastor, this morning I was praying, and in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and the Holy Spirit told me to pay off all your debt, said, do you know how much you owe? You and, and sister, pastor, you know how much y'all owe? And he said, well, he said, I, he said I'm in shock. He said, this has never happened to me. He's, I'm like, what? And, and said, well, I, I have to go home and talk to her. And she said, well, you go home, get with your wife, and figure it all up. I'll be back tomorrow. So he went home and said, told his wife, said, you're not going to believe what happened today. Said, they've totaled up their bills, and they owed $57,000 and some change. Fifty-seven. Wrote it all out. Put it in his briefcase. Said the next day I went to the office. Said she came by. Said secretary buzzed me and said, Sister so-and-so here wants to see you. Said, you got time for her? He said, I sure do. Said she came in, sat down, we did a little small talk. She said, did you get with your wife about your debt? Said, yeah, yeah. Said, you have it? Yeah, yeah. Can I see it? Yeah. Said, I handed her that list. We had written it all out on a piece of paper. Said, gave it to her. Said, she just read over it. Got through reading it. She got her checkbook out of her purse. Wrote him a personal check, $57,000 and some change. Handed it to him and said, the Lord told me to pay off all your bills. He said, when she put that check in my hand, I just went numb. He said, I, I tried to thank her and tried to thank her and tried to thank her. And said, when she left, said, I wasn't numb no more. I shouted all over my office. <laughs> said, I went home, showed it to my wife. Said, we shouted all over the house. Somebody pay off all your bills, you'd shout. I mean, some of y'all, y'all be shouting all over. Y'all still be shouting. I looked at him and I said, I need to meet this woman. <laughs> I said, as a matter of fact, I'm not leaving Louisiana until I meet her. <laughs> he said, I'll, yeah, he said, I'll, I'll introduce you tonight. After church, he introduced me to the woman. Nothing. I came home with debt. She didn't take care of my debt. I don't know what happened to the Holy Spirit, but anyway. But look at me. Can you imagine somebody paying off all your debt? Can you imagine somebody writing you a check for $57,000? Can you imagine how exciting that would be, the release of being out of debt, the excitement of knowing it's all gone. Wouldn't that be awesome? But can I tell you something? I got one greater than that. 
I owe much more than $57,000 sin debt. But I'm here to tell you Jesus is taking care of my debt. And I'm not in debt no more. It's something greater. It's not silver and gold. It's got nothing to do with money. I'm telling you Jesus did you better than $57,000. He paid off your sin debt. And you ought to give him a praise. And you ought to bless his holy name. And you ought to glorify him because he paid off your sin Anybody know you're free today? Anybody know you're free? Anybody know your sins are gone today? Why don't somebody praise him like you're out of debt? Why don't somebody praise him like the debt is gone? Why don't somebody go ahead and give him glory? Praise God, he paid off my sin debt. Somebody shout yes. Your attorney represents you. Your attorney has paid the bill. And thirdly, listen to this. We got folks taking notes. You need to write this one down. The third thing about your attorney, listen, he has never lost a case. Amen. There's not many attorneys who can say that because usually sooner or later you're going to lose one. I mean, nobody wins them all. But Jesus has never lost a case. And he's had some hard ones. He's had some difficult ones. But he's never lost a case. Let me tell you about one of his cases. Can I tell you about one of his cases? I go to John chapter 8, and some of the Pharisees, the religious hotshots, bring a woman to him. Now, this woman had been caught in the act of adultery, and they bring her to Jesus. They throw her down at his feet. Now, what they thought was a sign of mockery changed everything. You see, these religious hotshots didn't know it, but when they threw her at his feet, they were throwing her at the feet of her attorney. You see, they thought Jesus would get on board with this rock-throwing thing. They thought Jesus would endorse them. They thought Jesus would jump on board with them. But let me tell you what her attorney did. Her attorney stops everything and looks at them. They have rocks in their hands and they are ready to stone her for her sin. And here's what her attorney does. Her attorney looks around and says, let the one without sin cast the first stone. Let the one who has never sinned throw a rock at her. Her attorney is at work defending her. Her attorney is now 
on board with her. He's not endorsing her sin. No. But he's endorsing her. Let the one without sin throw the first rock. And have you ever noticed not a one of them could throw a rock? Every one of them had to lay the rock down and walk away. Jesus then looks directly at the woman and says, Where are your accusers? Where are those who are wanting to stone you? She said, Lord, they're gone. You disarmed them. After you disarmed them, Jesus, they have nothing to throw. You know, that's the great thing about the gospel. It takes you like you are. Listen. But it doesn't leave you like you are. How many times do you hear in the day we're living in, God loves me like I am. He does love you like you are. But he loves you too much to keep you like you are. I've come to tell you the gospel changes people. Don't tell me the gospel you receive doesn't change you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become. I've come to tell you the gospel changes a man. The gospel changes a woman. When Jesus has made a change, a man is a better man and a woman is a better woman because the gospel changes you. It doesn't leave you like you are. How many of you can testify Jesus changed you? Wave at me. You know Jesus changed you. And here's what he says. Go your way and sin no more. See, he didn't approve of her sin. He accepted her, forgave her, and changed her and said, go your way and sin no more. That's the work of her attorney. Aren't you glad you have the same attorney? I said, aren't you glad you have the same attorney? That he loved you like you were, but he loved you too much to keep you like you were, so he changed you, and then he told you, go your way, but don't sin no more. That's the work of your attorney. Your attorney represents you to the Father. Your attorney paid the bill on the cross. Your attorney has never lost a case. Look at me. He, has, he didn't lose that woman's case, and he won't lose your case. How many of you have ever been in a courtroom? You ever notice what you have in a courtroom? You have a lot. One of the first things you have in a courtroom is a judge. Judge walks in with that big old black robe. Everybody stands up. He's got a special place just for him. Can't nobody else sit there. Got a judge. Pastor, I want you to come up here. I need you to be my judge. Now look at me. We don't have Judge Judy today, but we got Judge Rob. Here's the judge. Just stand here, Mr. Judge. I don't... I don't get to tell judges what to do very often. We got the judge. 
I'll tell you something else you have in a courtroom. Usually, you're going to have somebody who's guilty in that courtroom. Been there. Guilty. Now, I don't know you, man, but you sure look guilty to me. What's your name? Who? Paul. I love you, bro, but I'm telling you, you look guilty. Come on up here with me. You got a judge and you got a guilty man. Look at him. Don't he look guilty to you? My God, man, we better pray. Paul, stand right here. Okay. But see, when a guilty man stands before the judge, he doesn't stand there by himself. Matter of fact, if you don't have an attorney, they'll appoint you an attorney. And what does the attorney do? He represents you. Come here and be this. Come here. Paul needs help. You need to come be his attorney. <laughs> so this is Paul, the guilty one, and this is his attorney. Tell me your name. Danny. Danny. This is your attorney. Okay. But you know, we're not done. Because you got somebody else in that courtroom. You got a prosecutor. <laughs> Come here, Mr. Prosecutor. What's your name? Jamie. Jamie. Stand right here. All right. You got the judge. You got the guilty one. You got the attorney. You got the prosecutor. Now, this man is your friend. He's going to do everything he can to help you. He's going to represent you. You got to just be quiet and let him do the talking. Now, look at this man. Look at me. He's not your friend. <laughs> he does not have your best interest in mind. He's the prosecutor. You know what that means? Okay. Now, I don't mean none by it, but the attorney represents Jesus. I love you, man. <laughs> But the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren, you don't look nothing like the devil, okay? You're too cool to look like the devil. But you're going to play the part, okay? So they come, and they stand before the judge. Come here, bro. Paul, you guilty. Get up here. You're going to stand right there, okay? And this man right here, he's your attorney. You don't stand here by yourself. Are y'all getting that? He's not standing there by himself. All those times you thought you were standing alone, nah, you wasn't standing. Your attorney was right there by you. You didn't even know it, but your attorney was right there at your side. And this man, Jamie, comes up, and he's the prosecutor. And I'm telling you, man, he's got evidence on you. He's just got stacks and stacks of evidence. Got video, got it all, man. You going down. And, man, he's, if you've ever been in a courtroom, listen, a trial can last for days and weeks. 
I mean, it can go on, it can get boring, it can, Lord, have mercy, is this thing ever going to end? I mean, and this guy right here, he just got evidence after evidence, and he just keeps putting all the evidence there, and you just standing there looking guilty, and your attorney ain't said a word. I mean, you just going, this man's got all this evidence, he's putting it out on you, and all of us, we sitting out here shaking our hands, ooh, Paul going down, ooh, Paul, I mean, it's going to get bad. Paul, Lord, we going to miss him, that's all I can say, we going to miss him. It's going to be bad. I mean, Paul's just going to... And finally, when he's concluded with all the evidence, don't forget this man, the guilty man, has an attorney. You remember that day when the accuser, the brethren, the devil, put all the evidence to the Father against you? You remember that day? It didn't look good. It looked like you were going down. It looked like it was over. It looked like you wasn't going to make it. It looked like hell was going to be your final destination. It looked bad for you. And after all what the accuser of the brethren did, your attorney, Jesus, was standing right there by you. And after all the evidence was presented, your attorney stepped forward and said, Father, we'd like to make a plea. And the plea is not guilty. Now, when the Jesus, the attorney, made the plea of not guilty. The accuser of the brethren goes bonkers. What do you mean not guilty? Look at all the evidence I've got. Look at all the witnesses I brought in. Look at all what I've got. What do you mean? Not? There's no way he can be not guilty. But then your attorney speaks up and says, Father, we'd like to declare Paul not guilty based on the blood that I shed for him at Calvary, based on what I did for him on the cross, Based upon what I did for him at Calvary, we declare him not guilty because my blood cleanses every sin. My blood cleanses every stain. My blood takes care of it all. And today we declare him not guilty based upon the blood that I shed for him at the cross. Look at me, but it's not over. Because that man standing up there has to make a ruling. This courtroom's not over. I know the prosecutor has presented his evidence. I know the attorney has given his plea. But look at me, it's not over until that man right there declares something. You know what that man, the judge, has to declare? This one had evidence, this one had a plea, but this one has a ruling. Did you hear what I said? The prosecutor has evidence, the attorney has a plea, but this one, the judge, has a ruling. After listening to this one and now this one, he's going to make the ruling based on what this one said. He's going to declare this one not guilty. I want you to look straight at Paul, and I want you to declare him not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. 
The judge declares him not guilty. You say, well, Brother Garrett, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. This man can turn around and walk out of here a free man because the Father has declared him. Don't you know what Jesus did for you? He declared you not guilty, and the Father has ruled you not guilty, and today you're free in the name of the Lord. I want everybody here to stand to your feet, clap your hands, and praise him in this house because the Father has declared you not guilty. Listen to me. I want you to lift up both hands and if you've ever praised him, I want you to praise him for, for ruling you not guilty. Thank you, Father, for ruling me not guilty. Thank you no matter what the enemy did, no matter what Satan did, you have ruled me not guilty. And I thank you for it, Father. I thank you. Come on, somebody praise him. Your sins are gone. Somebody praise him. Your past is over. Somebody praise him. Your yesterday is gone. Somebody praise him. Everybody look at Brother Gary. You say, well, Brother Gary, the devil said, let me tell you something about the devil. He's a liar. And you can't trust him. But you can trust your attorney, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Pastor, just stay there. I got to quit. I have got to quit. Let me tell you one more. It looked like it was over for Joseph. You go to Genesis 37 through 50, an incredible story of a young man named Joseph. You read about all the pain and the hurt and the betrayal and the rejection and the deception that boy went through. In a prison cell, forgotten. Look at me. You would think it's over, but look at me. The whole time, his attorney was working for him. And because he had an attorney working behind the scenes, God does his best work behind the scenes. Sometimes he works where we see it. Other times he works where it's behind the scenes. Because his attorney worked for him, there come a day, Genesis 50, 20, he looked his brothers in the eyes and said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Your attorney knows how to take bad things and bring good things out of it. Your attorney knows how to take the hurt and the pain and the shame and bring something good out of it. If you're here today and you say, Brother Gary, I need my attorney to work. In. Even if you're already saved, you, 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 maybe you're not saved, but you're ready to give your heart to Jesus. And that's great. We'll pray with you. But even if you say, I just need my attorney to work on my behalf. I want to see your hand. Are you in this house? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Come on, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. I need my attorney to work on my behalf. 
I want everybody here that's got your hand up to come stand with me up front right now. I just want you to come stand with me up front. I need Jesus to work on my behalf. Maybe you got a family issue you need the attorney to work out. Maybe you got some stuff with your children you need your attorney to work out. Maybe you got a job situation you need your attorney to work out. Maybe you got a health issue you need your attorney to work for you. You just got some stuff because sometimes life is full of stuff that you just need the attorney to work. Thank you, my sister. Man. Man. Does anybody else feel the presence of the Lord in this house? Come on, talk to me, church. Does anybody else feel the presence of the Lord in this church? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me. I want you to come down here just a little bit. I want to bring the line down here. Bring, I want you to take about three steps over here. Put it right there. Then I want you to turn around and face me over here. You have an attorney, and he's never lost a case. I said he's never lost a case. You have an attorney and he's never lost a case. You have an attorney and one day you're going to look at stuff and say what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. You thought it was going to destroy me, but God used it to bless me. Did you know God can take the very thing that you thought was going to destroy you and God can use it to bless you? God can take evil and bring good out of it. I said God can take evil and bring good out of it. That's our God. That's our God. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you say, Brother Gary, what you preach today, I receive it in Jesus' name. Hold your hand up. I receive Jesus as my attorney. I receive that word. Jesus is my attorney. You got to trust him enough to give him everything and walk in silent obedience. You know, sometimes, if you ever notice, when we get nervous, we talk, and we talk real fast. I'm guilty, talking real fast. But sometimes i got to give him everything and say, I'm not going to be a nervous wreck over this. I'm not going to fall apart over this. Boy, I'm preaching good this morning. I'm not going to have a breakdown over this. I'm going to give it to him, Pastor, and I'm going to keep walking in silent obedience. Paul, come stand behind this brother right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have ten sisters up here. I need one sister to come stand behind each of these sisters right now. Come on, ladies. I need your help. I need at least ten ladies to come stand behind every lady. I want a brother behind the brother and a sister behind each sister. I want you to come stand behind them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
I want everybody else. How many of you will give me a few more minutes? I know it's after 12 o'clock, but you said I could take my time, so I'm, I'm doing what you said I could do. But you'll give me about, you'll give me a few more minutes. Say amen. I want you to stretch forth your hand up here. I'm going to walk through. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come go with me. And I'm going to pray for the attorney to work in every one of their lives. And I'm going to believe he's going to take the evil. He's going to bring good out of it in the name of the Lord. If you believe that, stretch forth your hand. Pray with me right now. Come on, everybody. Father, I pray you have an attorney. His name is Jesus. And today I pray for your attorney to work on your behalf. He represents you to the Father. The bill has been paid. He's never lost a case. And I pray today for him to work in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray that in the name of the Lord. I pray now in the name of Jesus for your attorney to work on your behalf. Yes, Lord, for your attorney to work on your behalf. For him to take the evil and to bring good out of it. I pray today for Jesus, your attorney, to work things out for you. The very thing that you gave up on, he's going to work it out for you. The very thing you've almost quit on, he's going to work it out for you. I pray it now in Jesus' name. I pray today that your attorney, Jesus, will work all things together for your good. I pray for the good to come out of it. I pray for you to see the hand of the Lord now. I pray in the name of Jesus for your attorney to work all things for your good. I pray now in the name of the Lord for him to work it all out for you in Jesus' name. Oh, I pray now in the name of Jesus for your attorney who's never lost a case to work it out for you now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord. I pray now for your attorney to work on your behalf. I pray for him to take the good, the bad, the ugly, and work it out for your good. The painful and the shameful, let him work it for your good. I pray it now in the name of the Lord. I pray now for your attorney to work on your behalf in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, Lord. I pray it now in the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord. I pray for your attorney to work on your behalf in Jesus' name. May your attorney work all things for your good. I pray for you to see it this week. This week, I pray for you to see it in the name of the Lord. I pray now for the attorney to work all things together for your good. May the Lord take the good, the bad, the hurtful, and work it for your good. May you see good out of it now in the mighty name of the Lord. I pray now for your attorney to work all things for your good. May he work it for your good in Jesus' name. May he work it for your good now in the name of the Lord. I pray for your attorney to work on your behalf. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask all these that are here to step forward. Come on, y'all step forward. I'm going to ask everyone in this house to come join me up front right now. Would you just move? If you are physically able, will you move from where you are and will you come stand with me right now? Come stand with me right now. Come stand with me. Hallelujah.
Would everybody just lift your hands one more time and love Jesus? Come on. Just love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Come on. Speak praise to him. Open your mouth and speak praise to him. It's time now for praise to come. It's time now for praise to come in the name of the Lord. We give you praise. 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 Here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with Romans 8, 28. To me, Romans chapter 8 is probably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Look at Brother Gary. If you've never read Romans 8, read it. You'll find yourself reading it. It is so powerful. But listen to what Paul told the church at Rome. Romans 8, 28. And we know that's the confidence that we have. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now look at me. That called according to your purpose is not just for preachers. Everybody in this house has been called. You've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're called. I need to tell you something now. I want you to listen real closely to this. Romans 8.28 does not tell us everything in life is good. Romans 8.28 does not say, and all things in life are going to be good. It doesn't say that. It says that God works all things for our good. Some of us have been through some stuff that wasn't good. Some of us have been through some valleys that wasn't good. Some of us have fought some battles that wasn't good. Some of us have been through some hurt that wasn't good. I don't care how you look at it, it wasn't good. But what Romans 8, 28 is saying, God can bring good out of that. God can work it for your good. When you look at Joseph, there wasn't very many good things happened to Joseph for about 13 years. But then, when he made this statement, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good, God brought good out of it. I want everybody to raise your right hand. And I'm going to pray over you. Man, you know, the last year has been a hard year for all of us. The pandemic, we'd never heard of COVID before last year. I never heard of it. We live 37 miles from the water. From our house to Gulf Shores, where the water is, the Gulf of Mexico, 37 miles. We had more hurricanes last year than they've ever had recorded. We had so much damage done where we live. Even now, if you drove through our community, you'd see the damage. It's just amazing. And then we had an election. Oh, God, help us. 
Everybody look at me. I've got a good, I got something good to tell you. How many of you'll smile at me if I got something good to tell you? Look at me. There will be no elections in heaven. We, we are not going to elect Jesus every four years. He is King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Elections do so much damage to our nation. It divides us. It tears us apart. All that, None of that's going to be in heaven. Jesus is going to be Lord forever. What are you saying, Brother Gary? Been a tough year, wouldn't you agree? And then you put all your personal stuff in that. But what I'm going to pray over you, I'm going to pray the Word of God over you. I'm going to pray for God to bring good out of the bad. If you will receive that, raise your right hand. Hold your hand up now. I'm going to pray over you. Father, I thank you for your Word in Romans 8, 28. Your word tells us that you work all things together for our good. That you take the good, the bad, the ugly, the painful, and the shameful, and you work it for our good. Lord, it's been a tough year. I don't have to tell you about it. You already know about it, Jesus. There are people in this house that have personally had a tough year. But I pray before the end of this year, before the end of 2021, we're going to see good. We're going to see the good come out of it. What the enemy meant for evil, we're going to see good come out of it before January 1 of the new year. I believe before Christmas gets here, we're going to see good in the name of the Lord. Good is going to come to this house. Good is going to come to this church. Good is going to come to this community. Good is going to come to this pastor. Good is going to come to this flock. Good is coming now in the name of the Lord. You're going to work it for our good. Lift the other hand now and give him praise. Come on, lift the other hand now and give him praise. Give him praise because good is coming. Give him praise because good is on the way. Come on, church. Give him praise because good is coming. How many of you know we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? Amen. I want you to turn around and look at three people and tell them good is coming. Good is coming. Good is coming. Good is coming in the name of the Lord. Good is coming in the name of the Lord. Good is on the way. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to work it for our good. Hey, my brother. Hey, my brother. Hey, my brother. Good is on the way. Hey, my sister. Good is on the way. Hey, my sister. Good is on the way. Hey, sister. Good is on the way. Hey, sister. Good is on the way. He works all things for our good. Good is on the way. Look, I want you to start looking for it. Don't miss it. I'm looking for the goodness of God. 
I'm looking for the greatness of God. I'm looking for the faithfulness of God. I'm looking for God. I believe before the end of this year, I'm going to see good show up in my house in the name of the Lord. I believe before the end of this year, good is coming to my children. Good is coming to my family. Good is coming to my grandchildren. Good is coming to my house. Good is coming to my health. Can I give you a, a quick testimony? Four years ago, I had a doctor do a heart cath on me. Three major blockages. Widowmaker was all blocked up. Put in three stents. He come talk to me. He said, I don't even know how you was walking around with your blockages he said you got to cut back you can't preach you need to you, you, I had to, you, you, you don't need to be pastor in a church you need to cut all that out medication every day man I tell you you got my attention didn't have the strength look at me the other day a couple weeks ago I go every six months get checked they had to check me out every six months Went and got my checkup. You know what my doctor said? He's a spirit-filled doctor, by the way, full of the Holy Ghost. Laid hands on me, prayed for me. I have a spirit-filled doctor. He looked at me the other day. He said, you're doing better now than you've done in the last five years. You're doing better now than you've done in five years. I believe good is on the way. I said, I believe health is on the way. I believe victory is on the way. Can somebody agree with me? Good is coming in the name. And the devil can't stop it. I said, the devil can't stop it. Good is coming to my house and your house in the name of the Lord. Amen. Good. Pastor, you better come get this microphone. I, I don't know when I'll give it up. You better just take it. <laughs> I'm leaving you with this. Good is on the way because of Romans 8, 28. Good is coming to your house and coming to my house in the name of the Lord. If you believe that, give the Lord one more clap off. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Gary, for coming and bringing a word from the Lord today. I was sitting on my deck yesterday praying for this man, and I said, Lord, I want you to allow him to do more than just preach. I want him to release a word from you for us. I believe he's done that today. As I was praying for this service, the Holy Spirit spoke, and he said, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. And I tuned my spiritual ears into the voice of the Spirit, and he said, I am going to break chains that will produce breakthrough, that will release a breaking out of my spirit among this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you came in here bound up today, I want you to know by faith that the Lord has broken chains that will bring breakthrough to your life. 
and will produce a breaking out of His Holy Spirit in your life unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Isn't that good news? That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. Hey, make sure you tell Pastor Gary and his wife, Penny, that you've enjoyed having them in Louisville, Kentucky today. We'd love to have them back sometime. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week. I'll see you Wednesday night. Go with the Lord.